Today, we're talking about how to be an advocate for yourself, both in healthcare and in fitness. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Jessica Ballant, a physical therapist and Pilates teacher, and I want to bring science-based knowledge, empathy, courage, support, love, and hopefully some fun to the journeys we have with our bodies. There is hope and strength in your body, and my goal is to help you find it. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Meet Your Body. I am so happy to be here with you today. I feel like whenever I put these headphones on, I can just imagine hanging out with you and having a conversation. And as someone who has a lifestyle and a job that tends to be in front of the camera a lot, I really love being able to just put these headphones on and just talk to you. I don't have to worry about lights or videos or the right angle. I love it. So thank you so much for joining me every week. I truly love these conversations so much. And today we're going to be talking about how to be an advocate for yourself in healthcare and in fitness. And this is a really, really important conversation. I want you to take some time to really listen, write things down if you need to. We're going to give some really important practical steps and tips on how to be an advocate for yourself or maybe someone else in your life who needs it. And I can tell you after over 20 years as a physical therapist and as a Pilates teacher, Also, as someone who's been through quite a few health issues myself, I can tell you, you just can't overstate the importance of being an advocate for yourself. And I can also tell you, it is one area that I consistently see issues with because we just don't seem to be able to step into that power sometimes that we have on being an advocate for ourselves. So I want to both encourage you today. We're going to go through some of that about why it is so important to be an advocate, what it means. And then also, like I said, dive into those really practical steps and tips. So get comfortable and let's get started. So first, I actually want to read you the definition of advocate. So the actual definition is a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. So I'll read that again. A person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. And for what we are going to be talking about today, you need to think of yourself as what you are supporting publicly. Okay, so a person, that's going to be you. You are the advocate in this situation. You are the person who is publicly supporting or recommending a particular cause or policy, which is also you. So being an advocate for yourself in healthcare, in fitness, in any space that we're going to kind of talk about today, we're going to cover those two spaces a little bit, but being an advocate for yourself means that you are willing and able to publicly support yourself and your needs. Okay, so the public part is the part that I think is really important here. We can talk a really big game in our minds. We can defend ourselves. Are you someone like me who walks away sometimes from an uncomfortable situation and five or ten minutes later you think, ah, that's what I should have said. That's how I should have defended myself. We always think of those things later, right? So we're pretty good about sometimes defending ourselves in our heads The importance about being an advocate is you can do it publicly, meaning 
in front of a doctor. You can do it in front of a healthcare professional. You can have conversations out loud about your needs and your questions. That is where I want you to really start to take this. Now, to address that, we have to go a little bit deeper first before I get into all those practical steps, which I have quite a few that are going to help you be an advocate on how to exactly do it. We really have to dive into this idea that you have to believe that you are worth talking about out loud, that you're worth defending, that you have the knowledge that you need. You have to really start to wrap your head around this idea that you have got to speak up. So I want you to really focus on that piece of the definition that I mentioned about that public piece, okay? That public support. Know that what you need to do to be an advocate is going to take using your voice. And that might be for yourself. That's kind of what we're going to talk about mostly today. But these things can all come into play when you're being an advocate for someone else as well. I was an advocate for my mother-in-law. She had Alzheimer's. We were her primary caretakers for four years. And with my experience in the healthcare field, I really became kind of that medical advocate for her. And honestly, a big, huge piece of that, almost the biggest piece of it, was my willingness to speak up, to ask questions, to get information, to reach out when I thought something wasn't going the way it should, to be the squeaky wheel, to be willing to not be liked because I had things that needed to be said because I wasn't there to be liked. I was there to publicly support my mother-in-law and what her needs were. So you have to, again, kind of really get into that idea. I want you to dig deep. I want you to dig your heels in and know that this is important and that you need to be willing to publicly support, protect, and speak out for your needs. So let's get into a few pieces around that because there can be, again, kind of a lot of pieces to this puzzle about you know, why you might be a little hesitant to do that, or maybe you just don't understand sometimes why you need it or when you need it. And that is all completely okay. I understand that this is something I'm comfortable with because of the position I hold in the healthcare world. I know it makes it a little easier. So I really want to be here to help encourage you and pass all this on to you. But again, going into that idea of you believing in this and being able to do it for yourself. One, you have to believe that you know as much, if not more, about your own body than the professional that you're working with. And I am going to repeat that. That means about your own body, okay? I am not saying you have as much information about the medical world as the doctor. Absolutely not. I don't either when I go in to see the doctor. But what I do is I step into my belief that I know more about my own body and what it's telling me. You really have got to believe that and at least be willing to speak up about it. And this is where a lot of times the gaslighting can come in from doctors where you say, you know, doctor, I'm really feeling this. This is a symptom that I've been feeling in my own body. And they come out and say, oh, that's not what that is. Oh, that's not what you're feeling. Oh, that's normal after you have a baby. You just have to live with it. That's normal as you age. You just have to live with it. All right, maybe there's some truth to that, but it doesn't mean that what you feel isn't real or important. All right, so just remember that. 
You need to believe that you know as much, if not more, about your own body than the person you're working with. And where this comes in in the fitness world, and it's how I teach, I always tell my clients, you know what you feel more than I know. And I took a class myself last night, and that was one of the most important things that she said in this class is she said, you need to change this movement as it feels right to you because you know what you're feeling a lot more than I do. Absolutely so important. So believe that you are getting feedback from your body for a reason and you know more about your body and what you're feeling than the professional that you're with. All right, so that's the first thing. Number two, trust your instincts. And yes, our instincts can lead us astray sometimes. Sure, sometimes fear gets involved. Absolutely, sometimes we have to dig dig down and figure out, is that an instinct? Is it my fear? Is it previously held beliefs? What is it exactly? But trust those instincts a little bit. If you've been feeling something in your body for a couple months and you're like, I don't, I don't know what this is, but I just, something just feels off. There's something just not quite right, right? The, that little gut instinct that says, this is different. I don't know. Maybe I have some questions about this. And it could be anything. It can be a mole that looks a little different than it sometimes does. It can be the fact that you're losing weight or gaining weight and you have no explanation for it. It could be the fact that your mood is a little off or you're not sleeping right. Whatever it is, if your instinct or your gut is saying, you know, this just there's something a little funny about this. I'm not sure. Trust that. Okay? Trust your instincts. Number three, use your voice. Use it often. Use it loud. There are so many ways in this current healthcare paradigm and world for you to use your voice, and I encourage you to do it. There are ways that you can message and email your doctor. You can leave messages. You can have Zoom calls and consults. You can call and talk to the front office. You can schedule an appointment. There are so many ways to use your voice, and you have to, and you're going to hear me say that over and over again because you actually do. And I know that that can be really hard sometimes, but you have to be willing to use your own voice. Number four, be the squeaky wheel. And oh my gosh, am I a squeaky wheel? Holy moly. <laughs> and I, you know what? I step into that. I really do. I'm like, I'm going to own this. Other people don't want to ask questions, but I'll do it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be that person. I will be the squeaky wheel. And that too you have to kind of, and I joke about owning it, but you kind of have to a little bit because I'm going to be really honest here. I have noticed, so I'm 45 years old and my parents are in their seventies. My mother-in-law was 80. I have worked with that generation a lot and I have people I love so much in that generation in my life. And I have seen for whatever reason that that generation, especially, and you might be in it. And so this is not a bad thing, but for whatever reason, that generation, especially, has a harder time being that squeaky wheel because of this belief that the doctor's voice is the end all be all end of end of sentence period. And I am here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with being the squeaky wheel to be being the one that asks the same questions over and over again. And I can tell you that also from a healthcare perspective, a healthcare professional perspective as a physical therapist, I want people asking me questions. I want people engaged in their care. There are better outcomes for people engaged in their care. And so please think of it that way if you need to, that you need to be engaged in your own 
care. You have to actually, and we're going to cover this later, you have to be an active participant in your own care. And that sometimes means being that squeaky wheel, being okay, feeling sometimes like you might be bothering someone. And I'm here to tell you, you're not. It is absolutely your right to ask questions and be the squeaky wheel. And it might feel uncomfortable. And that's completely okay. It's okay if it feels uncomfortable. It's okay if it goes against a paradigm that you have in your head about not asking healthcare professionals questions. You are allowed to do that. So please, please, please step into that and know that you can be that squeaky wheel. Number five, there absolutely may be, and this is a big one, okay? So I want to tread lightly here because I understand it and I know this can be um, a significant hindrance sometimes in being an advocate for yourself. You may have some significant trauma in your past or a narrative in your past that you will have to step out or away from a little bit in order to be able to do this. And what I mean by that is you may have an experience in the past where the doctors did not listen to you. You may have an experience that was traumatic in a hospital or in healthcare or in a fitness class, you might have an experience where you feel like you were singled out or ignored, or you tried to modify for yourself and you were even made fun of. I know that those things have happened. And I am here to say, I am so sorry if you were someone that experienced something like that. I am sorry for that experience. And I know that it will take a little work to step away from that and say, okay, well, maybe someone will listen to me now right? It's hard if you feel like you aren't seen and aren't heard or aren't listened to if you do have a trauma or even if you did have good care, but it was a really traumatic experience in the medical world. Any of those things may be a hindrance in you wanting to speak up or even wanting to be a part of your own care. I can't be here to heal that for you. I absolutely wish I could. I can't, but what I can say is I can just be an encourager during that time. If you find that that's you, maybe dig in a little bit to that. There are some amazing trauma-informed therapists out there that can help if you do feel like your trauma is holding you back a little bit and you want to work through that. But just know I want to recognize that about yourself and your life and again, kind of make sure that Even with that in your past, you can still find a way to use your own voice and advocate for yourself. And then finally, in this kind of first piece about being an advocate, about, you know, stepping into that role to be a public support for yourself, you have to believe that you're worth the time and the energy that you put into this. That can be a hard one too. That can really be a hard place to be. Sometimes we have this low idea of our own worth or we put everyone else above ourselves. I know that that is a big one. You may be someone who's always put other people ahead of you. You feel like, well, I just don't need to waste time on myself. I don't need to do that. I'll be fine. No big deal. You brush yourself under the rug. You push yourself to the side and just know that it is important to put yourself in that place of importance. (laughs) I know I said importance numerous times there, but I want to really, really emphasize that. It is okay to put yourself first sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes you need to. You need to put your own oxygen mask on first before you can for other people. So it's just kind of 
you know, put that idea into your head, that that little nugget that it's okay to spend time on yourself. It's okay to use your voice on yourself. You are worth the time and energy that you will be putting into this. And when people see you do it for yourself, they will believe that they can do it for themselves as well. Anytime you use your voice for yourself or someone else in your life, anytime you're an advocate for yourself or someone else in your life, you are telling that person that they can do the same thing. So I want to review because it is so important. These six kind of areas that we mentioned that you might have to work on a little bit just to be able to step into your own voice and advocacy for yourself. One, you have to believe that you know as much, if not more, about your own body and what you are feeling as the healthcare professionals. All right. No, of course you won't have all the medical knowledge and all the tests and all of that, but believe in what you are feeling. Okay. Believe in that and your own inherent knowledge about your own body. That's one. Two, trust your instincts. Three, use your voice. Use that voice of yours. Four, be the squeaky wheel. Absolutely be willing to be the squeaky wheel. Ask questions. Repeat your questions. Call as many times as needed. Walk into that office as many times as needed. Number five, Address any trauma that may be in your past around healthcare, healthcare professionals, medical care, fitness, anything that might be holding you back from being able to be an advocate for yourself. And then number six, believing that you are worth the time and energy that you'll put into being an advocate for yourself. Now, before I get into the really practical steps that you're going to use to be an advocate, I just want to kind of talk about what this might look like, because you might be sitting there saying, this is great, but I really don't know exactly how this applies to myself or my own life. So first for yourself, and let's just talk about it actually in a really practical setting, like a fitness setting. Okay. So advocating for yourself might be simply walking into a gym and saying, where are the lighter hand weights? I see all the big racks of weights, but where are the lighter ones? Where's a place that I can stretch? Do you have TRX? Like these really simple questions that I find sometimes we just get too embarrassed to ask. Again, going back, what do you have to do? You have to use your voice. Use your voice. Know what you need. Listen to your body. What do you need? You might need lighter weights that day. So you have to be willing to step up to that front desk and ask where your lighter hand weights. That's a big way to advocate for yourself. Okay, so that might be in a gym kind of setting. Asking if you are in a class and you're uncomfortable in a movement, ask, how can I make this more comfortable? Or don't be afraid to say, I don't know, um, you know, if I'm feeling this exactly where you want me to, can you come check my form? Or it's not comfortable for me to lay on my stomach because I have a larger chest. Is there a different way to do this? All of those questions are so important. And as, again, as a fitness teacher, as a Pilates teacher, I want people to ask me those questions because if they don't, if they're uncomfortable in class and I don't know it, then I know they probably won't come back to class. Versus if they tell me in the middle class, I know that I can change that up. I can give a prop. I can change the move. I can absolutely make that person feel more comfortable and we can have a conversation around it. And that's what's most important to me. So those are some ways that 
might come up about using your voice, you can do the same thing in online classes. So in my online unlimited membership community, I get emails sometimes that are really helpful. Emails such as, actually, I'll tell you a couple years ago, I was still using a really old microphone and I couldn't necessarily tell or we weren't going through the editing process in the best way. And I got an email from a couple emails saying, you know, this audio is really hard to hear. I have it up all the way. Somebody was advocating for themselves using their voice saying, I can't hear your videos and I want to watch them, but I don't know if I can anymore. It got me right into buying a new microphone and helped so much. I was so happy to get that information. So that's one way that you can use your voice. You can set up online virtual consults if you have questions and you aren't sure about certain things, if you want more information. So those are some really practical ways. And then when we get into healthcare, things like talking to your surgeon, asking all the questions. Why are you doing it that way? What exactly is my prognosis going to be? Um, you know, being willing to get a second opinion. I'll tell a story recently actually about my dad who was a great advocate for himself. He needed to have a procedure done and the doctor actually said, hey, you might need this, you might not, right? We get that all the time. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. You might need this, you might not. My dad took probably a month to do his own research. And I don't just mean Dr. Google. I mean, he looked at research studies. He talked to his insurance to find out exactly what was covered. He found out other specialists in the area that he could see in his city. He had a conversation with me. He was willing to say, hey, can we have a conversation about this? Tell me your opinion. And he just wrapped up his care. He got the test that was right for him, for his peace of mind. He was willing to go against what one doctor said, willing to see another doctor to do what was right for him. It was an amazing case of advocacy for himself. And yours might not have to go that deep, okay? This was a pretty deep one. Yours might not go that deep, but just understand you might have to do a little work like that, but that is what being an advocate for yourself can really look like in all of those different ways. So let's now get into some really practical steps on what it looks like or what you can do to start this advocacy journey for yourself or again, for a loved one, all right? You can pass this knowledge on to someone else if you feel like they need it or you might use it as you're advocating for someone else. These are things you can write down, take with you, and these are really nice to start with also if you're just not in that place yet of being comfortable using your own voice, if you're not in a place of being comfortable asking questions, Start with these tips because it can help lead you into that place of more confidence around advocacy. But the number one thing, my number one in this list of practical steps is do your own research and write this down if you need to in capital letters. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And there are so many ways now to start to get that knowledge and information Honestly, you can start by just going to Google and typing it in. What you want to be careful of, and I always throw this out as a disclaimer, is you can go too far on Google. There is so much information out there. And I think for me, at least a good line to know when to stop. One is I try to go to research studies and really see just the practical information. I like to start there. Then if there's more than that, I like to find a trusted source who has a background or experience in the area and comes at it with a positive 
attitude. Okay, those are the two things I try to look for and maybe some support groups in a positive way. For me, I know I've gone too far on Dr. Google if I become fearful or if I feel negative or if I feel hopeless because I will tell you right now, there's a lot of places on Google that can make you feel that way from a healthcare standpoint. So try to stay away from those places. But in the in the other realm, you can get a lot of information. Find out other people's stories. Find out if they had different kinds of surgeries. Ask your community. Ask your friends. Ask people you know. The acupuncturist down the street. Just start to gain a little bit of information because knowledge really is power. And please know this does not mean you need to have all the answers at all. What this knowledge is doing is helping you know what questions to ask. Okay, so listen to that again. You don't have to know all the answers. And I think that's sometimes the problem with us doing our own research a little bit or trying to diagnose ourselves. That's not what you are actually trying to do. That is not your job. If you are not a doctor or healthcare professional, you can't diagnose yourself. A lot of doctors can't diagnose themselves. So take that pressure off yourself. What you are doing is you are gaining knowledge to feel more powerful in the questions that you need to ask to get the best care for yourself. So for example, let's say you have a lot of stomach stuff going on and you start to do some research and you find out, oh, it could be this or this or this or this. You go to see the doctor and they only bring up one option. What you can do is say, you know what? Thanks for that. I just have a question. Is there any way it could be this? You know, I was looking into this and it sounds like I have a lot of those symptoms. So would that be a possibility or not? And they can go on from there and say, oh, actually, yes, that's a good thought. I didn't know about that history you had or no, you're not a candidate. This is why. So you're not diagnosing yourself. You're not coming in with the answers, but having knowledge is going to help you know what questions to ask. So that's number one. Do your research. Knowledge is power. Number two is ask questions. We're leading right into that, okay? We're going to use our voice. We're going to be the squeaky wheel, and we are going to ask questions, all the questions. And my first tip is write them down before you see a doctor or if you are or physical therapist or whoever you're seeing. Or same with a fitness class. If you are going into let's say your very first personal training session, write down all your questions. You don't want to just jump into exercises without knowing Why are we doing them? Here are my goals. Let me tell you what I want. What kind of plan are you going to make? It is going to be helpful in all ways to get your questions answered. And I highly, highly, highly recommend you write them down before you go in. And I I mean it. Like write them down on a piece of paper. Number them. And check them off as they are answered. Because once you're in there, you won't remember. None of us do. We start getting thrown off by information or they, or how often does the doctor come in flustered and they don't remember your name or they don't have the right chart and then you get flustered and then the next thing you know, you're out the door and nothing productive happened. Have your list in front of you and do not let that person leave the room until your questions are answered and you have written down the answers. All right. hundred percent. And again, that's okay. That is your time. You are paying for that time or your insurance is paying for that time. And if you have a lot, it can be helpful to say it up front. I will say from a healthcare professional standpoint, it's helpful to me when I know off the bat that there's a lot of questions to answer because I'll save time for them. The only thing that's hard as a healthcare professional is if I know I have to end the visit and I'm just told at the end, oh, by the way, I have 20 questions. 
then I feel like, oh shoot, I can't get to all of them. I wanted to for you, but I can't get to it because I have my next person waiting. So with those questions, let the person know off the bat that you have a bunch of questions and you want to have a conversation. But absolutely ask your questions. And also please know that just because a doctor hasn't offered information, it doesn't mean it's something that you can't ask. It is amazing to me how many clients I see. I just saw two new people last week who had this diagno- a certain diagnosis for a year or two. And I said, do you know what that is? And they said, no. <laughs> I said, did the doctor ever tell you what that diagnosis means? No. So I take out my spine model and we spend 10 minutes actually explaining what the diagnosis is. And it is just that doctors don't have that in the front of their mind. They live in these terms in their brains all the time. So I think sometimes they just assume we know it too, and we don't. So it goes back to that being willing to be the squeaky wheel. Don't ever feel silly or dumb asking questions. Every question is a legitimate question. You are not expected to understand anatomy. You're not a doctor. You don't have that degree. And a lot of times when that information is not offered from the doctor, it's because they just didn't think to do it. So it is okay to ask. Ask things like, okay, well, what does that diagnosis mean? What is that? What kind of arthritis is that? Will it go away? What can I do for it? Can I start physical therapy? Ask all of those questions and write down your answers. I promise it is hard to remember those things once you leave. So go in with your questions written down and leave with the answers written down. And if you don't get them answered, do not be afraid to call the front desk, to leave that message online, to ask later on. It is fine to ask follow-up questions. All of this is just you finding out more information about your body, and you absolutely have the right to do that. Next is take someone with you to your appointments. And this isn't always practical. I know this. It isn't always practical. But if it feels like a big appointment to you, so and by that I mean maybe surgical consults, seeking second opinions, your pre-surgery appointments especially, post-surgery appointments, things that feel kind of big that you are getting possibly a big diagnosis, that you're getting instructions that will be important, take someone with you. We all hear things differently. So no matter what, somebody is going to take in information that you don't and vice versa. So you're just going to get more information that way. That other person also might think to ask different questions. Again, think of it as they are an advocate for you. I went with my mother-in-law to many appointments prior to her diagnosis. So while we were trying to get it diagnosed, she didn't know what questions to ask. And also she had the emotion involved with it. Understandably, she had the emotion involved with it. I could kind of step to the side in my role of advocate and ask some different types of questions. We're even going through that in other areas right now with my parents and like decision-making just about where to live and those kind of things. You can be an advocate for people in your life who you love just by asking questions, being willing to be there next to them, to be that partner. It can give people a lot of support. So you can either do that and be the person going with them offer to do it, or don't be afraid to ask someone to come with you. But it can actually be very, very helpful. And again, I can tell you from a healthcare perspective, 
I really enjoy having another person in an appointment if I know it's a big appointment like that. If I know it's going to be something that that person needs help following a plan or if they just need a support in their life, it can be helpful because they'll hear the information that I'm saying and they can be a team when it comes to long-term care. And then finally, the final piece in this is that you have to take an active role in your health, in your recovery, and in the decision-making process because ultimately, This all affects you the most. Being an advocate means that you're willing to step into that active role for yourself because that is what I think of when I think of advocate. I think of active role. I it takes work. It just does. It takes work to be an advocate for yourself and it takes work to be an advocate for someone else. And I have done both and I can tell you it can be exhausting. It can be really exhausting to be an advocate for yourself, especially. It can feel tiring. You can want someone to take it away from you. You can just get too exhausted to do it, and you almost stop caring sometimes. When you have a long-term chronic condition, sometimes you can get to a point you just say, you know what, I just just don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) I'm just done. I'm just going to take it. For what it is right now, I'm not going to bother trying to get better anymore. And I know that feeling. So we have to think of it as an active journey of taking a role in our own health and believing in the next step, believing that there is a next step. And sometimes being an advocate for yourself actually doesn't even mean seeing a healthcare professional. It just means doing each day what you need to do to feel your best, to believe in yourself, to feel your strongest, to have a positive outlook if you can. So sometimes being an advocate is actually publicly speaking out for yourself just to yourself. Just wake up in the morning and say, I'm worth this. I'm worth whatever I do for myself today. Be a public voice for yourself in that way and or be a public voice for someone else in your life who needs an advocate. Maybe they need a medical advocate in front of a healthcare professional or maybe they just need you to send a text and say, I'm thinking about you. I'm here for you. Can I research that for you today? You know, can I go grab your pharmacy medications for you today? What can I do? Can I come move some things around? Can I come just sit with you? Can I make a home-cooked meal for you? So advocacy can take a lot of different forms, and they are all important, and they all come back to believing that you and your loved one are worth it, speaking publicly to yourself or to other people in support, And then taking that active role. I believe advocacy is one of the most powerful and sacred and important roles that we can take both for ourselves and for other people in our lives. Remember, your voice is important. It matters. Support yourself as needed. Support others in your life as needed. And I hope everything we talked about today helps you get there and helps smooth the journey for you. I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me today on Meet Your Body. If you have a moment, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast as it helps us tremendously. 
For more resources and workouts, you can visit my website, jessicavalantpilates.com, or find me on YouTube or Instagram at jessicavalantpilates.